This is a man's world But we won't quit This is a man's world She who dares wins Hello and welcome to This is a Man's World, the She Who Dares Wins podcast. Uh, Today, my special guest is Ashley. Ashley, I'm going to ask you to pronounce your surname so that I just don't get it completely wrong. No problem. It's Kalazuk. Oh, it's not too bad then. Yeah, Kalazuk. Yeah. <laughs> um, and for everyone out there that doesn't know, um, I came across Ashley on Instagram and most recently read a blog post of yours, um, which was kind of uh, an amazing blueprint for anyone going into, I guess, the construction trade. But just to start us off, Ashley, um, can you tell me how you became a crane driver? Um, it, it was honestly a total fluke. Um, it was never part of the plan. It was never something that I grew up aspiring to be. Um, and the first time I had ever actually seen a crane in an industrial setting, um, the rigging on the load broke it was like loud and terrifying and I was just like wow that's some pretty intense stuff and even at that point never did I think I would be a crane operator but I uh, ended up getting a couple equipment tickets and one opportunity led to another and before I knew it I was in a crane seat. Wow so so how did you actually end up like being in front of a crane were you in the industry in a different field or? Uh, yeah, I had uh, initially started out my career in construction as a scaffolding apprentice. Ah, nice. Okay. <laughs> oh, it's amazing how um, different routes take you into to different areas. So how long have you been driving a crane? Um, I'm coming on to my 11th year. Oh, nice. Awesome. And I take it it's something that you love doing. I do. Um, I didn't love it at first, I'll be completely honest. Um it was it was a tough go for my apprenticeship, but as soon as I got my journeyman ticket, my Red Seal endorsement, uh, the confidence that came after that was just incredible, and I've loved it ever since. Oh, awesome. So you're based in Canada, that's right? Yes, Alberta, Canada. Um, nice. And um, so what kind of work do you do out there? Like, are you placed close to home, or is it something you have to fly out to find work? How does that work for you? Um, it's a little bit of everything. Uh, majority of my work faces around oil and gas, which does dictate a lot about a town work. Um, in a couple hours here, I'll be leaving home to go down to a wind farm, which is totally different from what I'm used to, but it's very interesting. Um, I've also done work out on the barges in Vancouver. Um and yeah, sometimes I do have the opportunity to work from home as well. So it's a really, really healthy mix. Oh, that's awesome. So you get a lot of variety of work and, and get to travel with the job as well. Yeah. Yeah. It's very fun. And what would you say is like the uh, 11 years in, what, what's the best part about being a crane driver? Um, that's a tough question. I'm probably going to have to... You can say money because a lot of people... Yeah. Don't- I always get muddy. (laughs) The money definitely keeps me at it. Um, I have taken a break from crane operating in the past and still went back to it. Yes, for the money, but I do very much enjoy the the routine and the hard work that comes with it. So I'm really drawn to the the trade in general. 
Okay. And you love the industry that you're in. Like that's one thing that when I speak to women in, in the trades or in construction is they say, everyone has to kind of really love it. Otherwise you wouldn't stick it out. And I'm guessing that's the same for you. Yeah. Um, I do love it. And I love Alberta and I love supporting our Alberta industries and our Canadian energy sectors. And to be a part of that in the workforce is uh, I'm super grateful to, to be in that scene. Nice. And are there there many women crane drivers? I mean, in the UK, I think I know of one Um, Uh, (laughs) in Canada. Um, there are quite a few of us, um, certainly not, uh, on an even scale by any means, but, uh, I was on a shutdown last spring and there was probably about five or six of us women total on one job with one company. And I've never had that many women around me at one time before. Wow. That's awesome. That's really, yeah. And is that because there's a push in Canada to get more women in, or do you think it's just a job that is exposed now and more women are considering it? Um, we do have some programs, uh, the government funded programs that are geared towards getting women into the trades in general, whether it's crane operating or carpentry or whatever. Um, it's called Women Building Futures. And so women can enter these programs. And sorry, I was just lifting up my dogs. <laughs> women can enter these programs and uh, go through like 17 weeks of all different aspects of different trades and at the end of it they can basically pick what trade suits them best and then they just kind of get some job placements and start a career that's pretty awesome <clears throat> i'm not aware of um of any kind of initiative like that that we've got in the uk so that's really good to hear because mm-hmm. you cut yeah for many women out there you don't know what you're going to be good at or what you're going to like unless you give everything a go and sometimes i find out that um you know women that have joined certain trades I've done it for so long and then had to go at some cast and realized actually um, for something else. So that's, that's, that's dead interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, you deal with some pretty brutal weather conditions in Canada. Um, <laughs> yes. How does that go down? <laughs> um, yeah. So I imagine you're on the Celsius scale, aren't you? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So um, we get upwards of uh, like minus 50 in the winter. And uh, the thing about that is like, yeah, you have a nice warm crane to sit in, but sometimes the cranes won't even start. It's really hard on equipment. It's really hard actually sometimes to watch the crews just struggling outside under your hook for lifts. But it it just kind of becomes part of the lifestyle and you get really accustomed to it. Yeah, you kind of just live it. Yeah, I was out in um, Bamp Springs two winters ago and I think it reached minus 42 and mm-hmm. I just couldn't comprehend it I was like yes it's just another world like I mean I moan in this country when it gets to like minus two <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> yeah you guys have it pretty bad um I so I just want to come back to the article that you wrote because I'm going to put a link in the description for all the listeners um because it really struck a chord with me uh how like super honest it was it was clearly written by someone that's been in the industry for a long time like yourself and yeah just a few things that you wrote in there um about like having boundaries and uh you know knowing who you are and um really thinking about like who you socialize on a site do everything that you wrote in that blog post is that based on your experiences both good and bad um 
of your time working and and yeah just basically do you have any kind of stories of anything that's happened to you um that shaped that blog post um yeah so basically every topic was written from an experience um a lot of the topics were based on very negative experiences so um yeah i had to i learned most of my lessons in this industry the hard way and uh that part hasn't been easy but also it's it's shaped me to who i am today and to have the confidence i have on a job site so the confidence i have today is much different than the confidence i had the first day on a job site when I had no idea what was going on. But um, I think the biggest thing that shaped a lot of it is how much doubt some people have in women and their ability. And so it's, there's like that saying where women have to work twice as hard for half the respect. And I truly feel like that's the case even over the last 10 years, like it may have improved some, but we still, don't get the same opportunities. We don't get the same respect from a lot of people and it's, uh, it can be challenging. So that's, that's why I wanted to put all those experiences out there. So women who are new can uh, have a better understanding when they are getting into it. Yeah, definitely. And it's, um, it's always a hard one for me as well, because I feel like I, I'm very much on the same line with a lot of things that you said. And that's only after I think I'm coming up to my 15th year in the industry. Um, and it's hard when someone who is in their early 20s kind of asks you for advice because it's taken so long to figure out. And you think, is that advice going to be right for them? Um, but do you stick by kind of whatever, you know, what's the biggest um, piece of advice that you'd give anyone going into industry now, which you wish that you would have known uh, when you started out? Um, definitely number one on my list is set those boundaries. Um, so it's, it's hardly even related to like, you know, like what you're able to do at work and how far you can go in your career. It's just being around so many men and setting those boundaries and respecting yourself enough to make sure that other people respect you in your space. Um, I've just ended up in so many situations where men think they can take advantage of you because they're in a position of power or they can, I don't know, just disrespect you because you let some previous jokes slide before and it just snowballs at that point. So if you can set your boundaries straight from the beginning and maintain them, I, I feel like it's just so beneficial. Yeah. I, one of the things that um, I find I found myself doing was, blending in with the lads um and you know having a laugh and a joke and then on some occasions yeah people get I say people get close to you but they don't realize what the boundaries are and then I found it difficult to go back and reset those boundaries so I think that's a really important bit of advice um is knowing what is acceptable and what's not and knowing that you shouldn't have to move your boundaries to kind of have an easy life at work which can be hard at times um, yeah, it can be yeah. very hard. <laughs> yeah, and I think there are. I think I've had other women on the podcast, and an interesting one is that is is friendships at work. Um, you know, you, you naturally 
um, relate to people and get on with some rather than others. And a lot of women discuss the fact that, you know, they're friends with someone and then all of a sudden that person crosses the line completely out of the blue. Has, has that ever happened to you? Oh, yeah, that's that's a huge one. Um, it's it's just so weird. Um, you'll be nice to somebody and treat them respectfully the way you wish to be treated yourself. And at some point it just gets totally blown out of context and they take it as you're giving them signals or something when really you're just trying to have a pleasant day at work. So I've, I've had that quite, quite a bit happen to me. Yeah. It's an interesting one. And, and it, um, it's also interesting for me to learn that whilst I have had that in the past and, and I've been able to come home to family and, and husband and discuss those things and, and set boundaries, how is that different for someone like yourself that I, I take it you discussed that you have sometimes worked away on like camps or where you're working remotely? That can be a pretty scary situation. Um, how, how have you coped with it in those kind of situations? Um, when I'm at camp, it's, uh, it's very different when I'm at home. So I, uh, I just, uh, I keep to myself like, like nothing else. It's just, it's very standardized where you get in from the end of the day, you eat. And then I basically just lock myself in my room the rest of the night. Um, when I eat, I'm very selective of who I'll sit with. If I see some people from my crew of crane operators who I trust, I will sit with them. Um, or else I'll sit in a corner far away from a lot of people, just completely alone, just trying to keep up some barriers just to not put myself into more uncomfortable situations. Yeah. And it's a, it, it is um, a sad reality, isn't it? And I, I would hope in years to come that that's not the case because at the end of the day, when you're working remotely, I'm guessing it can be quite lonely as it is, let alone having to kind of segregate yourself to, to protect yourself. Um, like you say, it's sometimes it's not even um, the threat of anything happening. It's just a case that you don't want to deal with that when you've got a busy working life as well. So putting that boundary up just just helps you crack on with your work. Um, yeah, absolutely. Because you're there, you're there solely to work and to make money and provide for yourself and your family. So there's no need for all the extra drama that can come with it. Yeah, totally. Um, and another another one here on your blog post as well is. Uh, the dreaded for the girl compliment <laughs> yes <laughs> just just throw throw at me a few of those um kind of quotes that people have said to you over the years oh it's like like oh what do you do here and I'm just like oh I'm a crane operator what you actually run the cranes and I'm like yeah that's my crane right there and then it's just their mind is blown they can't believe it they think it's just the coolest thing ever and I'm like dude this is not cool. Like you're not going to tell that guy over there that it's cool that he runs that crane. So it's that dialogue happens almost every single job where men just cannot believe that the girl is running the crane. And, and like I said, in the blog, most of them are like trying to be super complimentary and they're trying to be very encouraging, but it's the dialogue is just so backwards that it ends up not being a compliment at all. <laughs> like a backhanded compliment of like oh god you can actually do it it's like yeah congratulations <laughs> you can get out of bed in the morning like it's, yeah. it's no different <laughs> and 11 years in like how do you deal with that like do you come back with a sarcastic comment or do you just let it go uh, like what's your method of dealing with those comments 
Um, I, I read the scene. Um, sometimes one thing about being in this industry for so long is you can kind of gauge what kind of men you're dealing with very quickly. Right. So there's the men who you feel comfortable enough just being like, actually, you know, it's not that impressive. Anybody could do it. And then there's the men where you could tell that if you said that same thing, then it would start uh, a bit of an argument or like some offensive talk. So I've just learned to read the scene and then uh, dictate my response according to that. Alrighty, folks, I hope you're enjoying this episode of She Who Dares Wins. Just wanted to let you know that there's a heap of cool information and useful resources available at www.shewhodareswins.com. So get yourself over there. Also, don't forget about the YouTube channel, which is This Is A Man's World UK, where I post lots of videos on survival in the construction industry and shed light on how you can help yourself have a successful and thriving career. That's pretty much it. And let's get back to this podcast episode. I think this is not talked about enough, but it's something that I've read um, a huge amount of books on. Emotional intelligence. Um, yeah, I think in construction trades and any kind of male dominated industry, if you can nail this one, I think half the battles done is knowing how to read situations and read people. Um, so I'm so glad you put that in there. But yeah, just talk me through your kind of perspective on emotional intelligence and why you think it's it's important. Um, I think I think emotional intelligence is probably one of the most important things just in life, like even aside from work, but it's going to make your work as a woman in this construction industry so much easier. Um, your The way we react to situations is absolutely key. So if you're being called into the office and the boss is upset with something, if you go in already guarded with an attitude and being disrespectful, it's unlikely that you're going to get uh, any empathy or respect in return. But if you're in situations and you want to react, but you react calmly and you keep the dialogue respectful, it's it'll change the entire outcome and make things so much easier for women. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's a really it's a really strong one for me, and I think I think emotional intelligence comes with years of practice. Absolutely. Um, but it's something that if I, if you're aware of from the start, and some people have more emotional intelligence than others, like naturally it's just one of those things um, that, that you have. But I think it's something you can work on as well. Would you agree with that? Oh, absolutely. You can, you can develop your emotional intelligence and have more awareness in the situations you're in to get better at it. Um, that's the beauty of it is if you don't feel like you have it now, you can still get to a point where you have high emotional intelligence. Yeah, no, it's um, it's uh, it's one I would yeah definitely hammer down to other women, especially younger girls that are coming in. Is is yeah, just read books on it, and um, it's a really interesting subject. And and this week, actually, I was um doing an event, and the one thing that was discussed at the event was uh, in some industries that are male dominated, 
there's a tendency for women that have been in for quite a long time not to, I think the words they use were to pull, they pull the ladder up. So they don't kind of have any, they're not willing to help other women follow in the footsteps or support them. Um, and it's kind of like a rite of passage. I've got here in my career, I've worked hard and I've been through all the crap. So, you know, you need to do that in order to gain respect and also um, earn the respect of the job that you're doing. But my stance has is, is just never been that way. I mean, the way I see it is that if we're in an industry that is male dominated, the only way we're going to change the culture is to have more women standing alongside us. And that's one of the things, again, you touched upon in the blog post was, um, you know, take opportunities to build each other up. And uh, yeah, can you just explain to me and the guests, um, sorry, the guests, the listeners out there, uh, the experience that you had with a with a woman on site who, who didn't have that outlook? Oh, yeah. So um, this was, it actually happened off site, but it was while I was working out of town. Um, it was a LOA job. So a uh, girlfriend and myself, we were renting a little RV um, to sleep in, which was already extremely crowded. And it was also coming on to winter. So we were getting some like minus 10 overnight and some pipes were starting to freeze. And we're like, we need to move out of this thing and get to like an actual house. So a friend of a friend uh, offered to meet us to show us this hunting cabin that she was going to rent out. And as soon as we got there, we walked out of the car and she just started yelling at us. And she was just like, you think you're a construction girl. You're never going to be a construction girl. And I was excuse me, ma'am, but I've been doing this for almost 10 years now. And she just, you know, there's nothing I could say. She was like, nothing you can say will impress me. I was the first female pipeliner. I've done this. I've put my time. I gained the respect of men. You're never going to do it. And at this point, I was just kind of mind blown because, you know, prior to this, the dialogue we shared via text was very positive. It was just like, how many bedrooms and bathrooms does this hunting cabin have kind of deal? (laughs) (laughs) And yeah, it just turned like completely snowballed. And she was just telling me like everybody in this town hates it when women show up to work you can't go to the bar if you go to the bar you're gonna get raped and I'm just like Uh, I couldn't believe it because first of all like the bar is like a bar slash restaurant which I have had eaten at many times before it's like I never felt like I was going to be violated at this restaurant and and it was just such a negative experience overall with this woman um and it was it hurt to see somebody who had been in the industry cut other women down so hard. And because if you're going to cut me down and you're going to cut all women down, how can we rise up to any form of equality at this point? Because you've already made the decision that you are better than the other women and that we shouldn't be here. And that's just completely wrong in my books. Yeah, I mean, I, I I can't even fathom where where that reaction came from from her perspective. Like, it's it's just non inclusive, and it's just yeah, it's heartbreaking to hear because you're right. Um, <laughs> we have to support each other, and especially when there's so many women out there that work alone. I've never never really worked with any other women, and you look out there for support, and if if that support's not given, you just think, well, what what's the point, like? 
you, you're pretty much going into a lion's den. And, and if, if your own kind can't support you, then yeah, it's so, it's horrible to hear that story. Um, so did you just ignore the comments or did you challenge her? How did it go down? Um, um, well, I had started to challenge her at first. I was, you know, at this, at, at this particular job, I was actually running the biggest crane on site, which as a woman was a huge point in my career. Oh. Um, so I was trying to kind of shed some light on how far I had come and what I was actually doing there. And, but she wasn't hearing it. So needless to say, we never rented that hunting cabin. Yeah. Oh my gosh. That's yeah. And the, the reality is, and I say this like time and time again, is it, it doesn't matter. The one thing that I think everyone should do is if, if you want respect from people is you must give respect and it doesn't matter what job you have on site, whether you're running the job um, or whether you are on a tool or on a machine, like everyone deserves the same respect. And I think I've been disrespected the most when I've been in like a, a management role where I've been running a job to when I've been an engineer Um and it's crazy. You just, it, it, it has no relevance. You're just like, what, why do I get treated in this way? So yeah, like you say, so you were driving like the biggest crane and, but she, she, I'm guessing she would never hear that. Like it would just be blocked out. She's already made her mind up, which is so unfortunate. Yeah. She, uh, she wasn't interested in, in any type of positive conversation. <laughs> oh man. Yeah. That's heartbreaking to hear, but yeah, no, thanks for sharing that story. Cause I think, um, I don't think you'd be alone in that experience. I think other women have probably experienced that too. So, yeah, that's um, that's pretty incredible. And, and based on kind of everything you discuss in your blog and what you experience now, like what's the biggest changes that you would like to see in the next, I'm, I always say 10 and 20 years because I think it takes so long to change anything in the industry. Um, it does take a long time, yes. <laughs> yeah. What 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 are the things do you think need changing like now to get more women in and to to just make it a little bit easier for us? Um, I think the most important thing is getting qualified women into leadership and management roles. Um kind of there are there are women who do have big roles in construction companies, but you don't really see them a lot. So kind of more like on the the front line end of things like some project managers and uh, like supervision. Um, yeah. Branch managers, like just there needs, to, if you have more of a female face, like representing that industry, it'll, the landscape will change with it. So I, in my whole career have only ever had one female foreman as a crane operator. And she was, I don't even think it was her full-time job. She was just doing it because it was a shutdown and we needed some extra, extra help. So I've never, I've never seen females step up into leadership and management roles as a crane operator for 11 years. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. I think it's something that we do see more of in the UK, but we see a huge drop off. So women come in and then either stress levels or if they want to commit to having a family that kind of career pipeline stops um, and yeah, they, it, they find it difficult to carry on up and exposing women that are in those situations is something that doesn't happen as well. So someone said to me that you can't, he was talking about his young daughter and how he wanted to encourage her into an industry. He said, but 
he can't encourage her into something where she doesn't see other women doing the job. And I think social media is great for that. Like I'm finding so many women across the world like yourself uh, that are in the industry just via social media. And you talk about how important it is to, to document your journey. Do you do that? Via, do you do that via Instagram? Do you write like how, what's, what's the form that you do that um, documenting your journey? Um. For the most part, I didn't really do a lot of career documentation up until recently um, because I hadn't reached the point where I felt I recognized that it was necessary yet. So um, this most recent blog, something came over me one day at work and I just thought to myself, this needs to get out there. And then I just started writing frantically. Um, and I had done one blog last year or was it 2018? But I did, had done another one where it was more of like a, I did a social media Q&A and then turned it into a blog. And that had a pretty good response too. But so now I'm starting to see that I do get such a positive response when I do share my journey. So it's inspiring me to want to do it more. So this is actually the start of something much bigger for me. Oh, awesome. Now that's really good to hear. I'll definitely be following that. Um it was just so well written and everything that's kind of in my mind that sometimes is hard to put down. Uh, you did so well. So yeah, I think so many women will relate to it and be able to reach out to you. And like you say, it, it's just, it, it might be one little simple thing on your side, but it's just so helpful to other women out there, especially ones that are just joining the industry. Um, yeah. Amazing. So yeah, please keep doing that. And um, just before we kind of like finish, I wanted to ask you, so I am a massive fan of your like photography work. Um, oh, thank you. <laughs> yeah, like it's, it's incredible. I think the first shot I ever saw with you was um, you by a crane and then you, I went in and looked at all your other stuff. And I'm all for the side hustle of doing things. And I know you're um, a partner with Red Wing Boots. Um, so how did like photography and that and that side of things come about? Is it just a passion or how did, well, it's more than a passion because you're amazing, but yeah, <laughs> how did you become so good at photography? Um, it's, uh, it started in a crane. Um, well, actually it started when I was a child and had a toy camera that progressed to like a tiny little point and shoot, like Kodak camera. And I've had a camera my entire life, but one day uh, when I was uh, sitting in my crane, I just decided that I wanted to start taking it more seriously. And I self-taught myself by reading books when I was between lifts. So I would read the book and then when I would go home on days off, I would practice and then I would go back to work and read and then go back home and practice. And that just kind of cycled to the point where I, uh, I just started feeling really confident in my ability and I could see the progression in my work and yeah, it's uh, offered me a lot of opportunities since I started taking it more seriously. Yeah, I mean, it's awesome. Like, it really is incredible. Um, and you can see by going through your feed, you have a massive love um, for motorcycling. And um, yeah, your, your cute little dogs as well. Um, <laughs> so is that is like, how do you fit in with, with your job and being busy and things? How do you fit in all your kind of side hobbies and hustles? Is that something you do um, as soon as you're off the plane or just as and when you can, whenever you're traveling? Um, I try to fit in it, fit it in as often as I can. Um, sometimes it almost feels like a whole other job, um, but it's like literally just a pressure that I put on myself. Um, but uh, 
working with uh, Red Wing and Husqvarna has been really fun because it uh, it offers me like total creative freedom to just go and do some content based on their brands. Um, and, and I also sometimes have shots in Fast Times Magazine, which is a independent Canadian motorcycle magazine out of Toronto. And so that's been really cool to see my work in print, but yeah, I just, I just fit in and where I can, like when I'm on the wind farm right now, sometimes we have a wind day where we don't work and I just go out and explore in the mountains all day with my camera and it's awesome. Yeah, that's good. And, and for a few women out there that I know, um, are starting to kind of get, uh, acknowledgements on social media and brands are contacting them things how did that come about you those two partnerships was it something that they noticed your talent photography and and got in touch with you or did you reach out to them was it Um, a natural thing red wing reached out to me um and then huskavarna had started with a, a contact from a lifelong friend and even with her being gone from the company the relationship has continued so it's been a very good opportunity Oh, nice. And I think the brands fit so well with like your lifestyle and everything that you enjoy. So it's like that perfect kind of synergy of, um, of yeah, just providing awesome content with like say brands that really um, represent who you are and what you do. So yeah, it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's great. And there's some amazing pictures. I will put a link in the description to everyone. So hopefully they'll go and follow you and check out your amazing work. Um, yeah, you, you listen, you inspire me and I'm sure you're going to inspire many in the future. Thank you so much for writing that blog post and for sharing your stories with us today. It's been incredible. And, um, yeah, sorry you missed out on that hour of daylight rewind. (laughs) (laughs) It's the hardest day of the year. (laughs) You definitely deserve to have some sleep. Oh, for sure. No worries. Well, yeah, thanks so much, Ashley. It's been, um, an absolute pleasure and like I say I wish you the best have you, have you got work this weekend or do you have time to relax uh I have a six hour drive south today and I will start work tomorrow for two weeks straight ah wow okay so straight back on it okay yeah <laughs> but no rest for the wicked well I wish you yes. the best for this week and um stay in touch and I'll be watching your journey as many others will and yeah thanks so much for coming on the podcast today thank you thank so you. much for having me Oh, you're welcome. Take care. We'll uh, speak soon. Okay, thank you. Thanks very much. <laughs> Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for listening to this week's podcast, folks. Your support means everything to me. If you want to head over to www.shewhodareswins.com, you can find loads of cool merch on there. You need to She Who Dares Wins. Um, there's some t-shirts, some hoodies and some other bits and pieces that might take your fancy and anything that you do purchase through the store, profits go into helping produce this podcast and all the other content that I put out there for free. So yeah, if you find something you like, please go ahead, purchase with ship worldwide and it'd be great to have you part of the She Who Dares Wins family. Right. Well, we'll be back next time with another awesome guest. Mm-hmm.